That song reminded me of a piece of scripture here, speaking of Abraham. It says here, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the 12th verse. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him is as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We, we don't have an abiding place in this earth. Shall we open with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee for another beautiful Sunday morning, warm and sun shining like it is. We thank thee that even as this little group of believers we can gather in total freedom and look into thy word, spend time in and around this most precious word where we find that we can gain understanding and gain faith in the works of thy son, in the stories that are told, in the messages that come from so many thousands of years ago of a Savior that would come. We've just came through that Christmas season where we speak of how the Savior came to this earth. We are thankful for these messages and stories. We're thankful for that faith that comes down from thy hand only to us. Undeserving sinners and yet this call has gone out and we've been given that faith and understanding to answer that call. Watch over this little group this morning. Watch over our our brother who brings us a message. Give us all understanding and enlightenment of thy word and the depths of this word. Be with all those that lead our nations and, and the nations around the world. Be, be with those that gather wherever it may be across the face of the globe. Give mankind understanding and faith that there's a higher power that we don't have these the answer to earth's troubles and trials but there are answers in thy word there are answers in thy spirit and the leading of this Holy Spirit this Holy Spirit that has come down to man when Jesus left this world in the flesh Watch over our communities. Watch over all those that are in any leadership positions in the in the political field. Right from the top people in our nations down to our communities, our schools, whatever it may be. We pray for these things. Hear us now as we pray that most perfect prayer thy son Jesus taught us. Our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Someone have a song to continue with? 
May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I'll turn to the Psalms. I'm going to read the 84th Psalm. Reading in Jesus' name. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thy altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They shall be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in the courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in me. Amen. This psalm, it um, encourages us, or encourages me, and makes promises of the blessing that is available, the blessings that God promises to those who will walk according to his commandments. It starts here, it says, How amiable are the tabernacles, O Lord of hosts, are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. I read this, and it's, I hope it would, we would find it so. I also think that it is maybe a reminder to us as people A reminder to us as children of God, we read in Corinthians, and it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? I believe that this is also telling us that as the temples of God, we are to be, as it says here, amiable. That we should be encouraging, or if I say friendly, to those whether they be our brothers and sisters in faith, or whether it would be someone who is not yet in faith, that is perhaps seeking, or perhaps they aren't seeking yet, but we would pray that our actions and our demeanor would be such that they would find something that draws, something that attracts their heart. It says, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. As Christians, and I was talking with someone just recently, and I, and I made the statement, and, and we talked about it a little bit, and, and maybe I should be careful when I say it. I think I've probably said it from here a number of times. That this flesh of mine... It, it does not find any desire to come and sit in church. And it tells us that this flesh, there's nothing of salvation for it. it. It ends in this world and it will return to the dust. And the Bible tells us that all of this will be burned up. And we see that there is, even in that, I believe if we think about it, we can see a fulfillment of where it is that that 
undying spirit that is in us, that comes from God, even overcomes this flesh. And it is something that it is so much a part of us, and and to divide those different parts of us, and I can't say I have a deep understanding of it, but I've always, we talk about the flesh that is our natural being, and then that undying spirit, or soul, and yet I had someone I talked to a while ago who they broke it down into three parts and talked about the natural person and our soul and our spirit. And I couldn't disagree with them. And I can't say that I totally was able to take it all in, what they were saying. But we are a being that there is different parts. And it is our desire, I would hope, that the flesh, as it says, We die daily. It dies daily. It has to be overcome by the Spirit because it has different desires than the Spirit of God that we would have dwell in us. And if our soul is alive because of that Spirit of God, it has a different purpose. It has a different motivation. It has a different goal than this flesh has. This flesh basically thinks about here and now. Our soul thinks about eternity and what is best for that portion that will leave this world. And yes, our flesh, it very much thinks about what is important and what it can take part of here and now because that's all it has. It isn't worried about what is going to happen because it'll be dead and it isn't that we don't take care of it we have to we have to eat we have to drink we're sick we try to heal we have a broken bone we set it so that it heals we care for it but it is of this world and we would hope that that spirit would be such that people would find something attractive, as it says here, amiable, even with each other. It says, My soul longeth ye, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Here we see an amazing thing, as I said, how we can understand that that undying portion looks to God. And our soul does. But here it says that our flesh cries out for the living God. And as Christians, we understand that even if this flesh, if I say is only temporary, it is still by the grace of God that we are, that it is alive, that we can go from day to day. It is because if we look at a human body, it is such a complex thing that it is almost miraculous that it functions for any period of time. I don't know why it hits me sometimes when you see I guess anesthetic is one thing that makes me think about it. You can take a really tiny portion of some drug and give it to someone and it completely changes your abilities to function, to be awake. And it takes such a small portion. And the more and more that they study this body that we have, the more they understand that it doesn't take much of anything to be slightly out of balance and things aren't working right. And even our natural reasoning can understand that it's a miracle that it can work and function for even a hundred years or fifty years or even a few minutes. And as Christians, 
even our natural being is thankful to God that it has given it life and that I, I guess sometimes perhaps it is why God allows things that we would be sick or whatever so that it, we could perhaps think to be thankful when we are healthy or thankful if he heals us because even this natural being is taken care of by God it is his grace and his work mercy and his working that this whole world functions in spite of man's if I say best or worst efforts to try and cause problems with it Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, that she may lay her young, even thine altars. I already mentioned how it is that God takes care of us as humans. But he takes care of even the natural animals, even something as small as a sparrow, or we can go to the smallest life that is in this world. God allows it, God created it, God makes it work. He gives those birds, the sparrows and the swallows, places to live, places to raise their young. He cares for them. The Bible, it tells us, Jesus says that not one of one sparrow dies, that God doesn't know. And then he tells his disciples and those people there, that you are of much more value than many sparrows. <clears throat> we can be sure that God knows where we are and that he cares and that he desires what is best for us. And probably my biggest problem is that I don't understand necessarily what's best for me my mind reasons, well, this would be the best for me right now, and this is what, so that's what we want. God sees the whole picture. God understands that <clears throat> He is dealing with an undying soul that will be around forever. And He would desire that that soul would spend eternity in heaven with Him. And as Christians, in spite of the troubles that we have and in spite of our failings that is what is most amazing is that God says simply trust in him and we can take if I say it this way we can take this whole Bible and read it and understand it just to begin to understand what that means to trust in him it, it sounds in one way like a simple thing and yet trusting in him means that we trust in Christ because it, the Bible tells us that we cannot come to God but through Christ those people in John asked Jesus what must we do to work the works of God what, what are we supposed to do that we would be doing what God wants us to do in this world and Jesus said believe on him whom he has sent it's a difficult thing for us to simply do that we as people we want to do more and less more or less just simply ignore it or start doing things so that we're helping the situation a little bit better God says trust in me believe on that son and that salvation that is provided for you through him. So <clears throat> that she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I would hope that all of us would feel that way. That he is our King. He is our God, meaning that it is him that rules us. It is his 
direction that we seek to follow, and that he is our all in all. He is our salvation. And that we look to him, I think we can look at the world in many places, and as much as some people would want to deny it, there deep down in every human being is some understanding that we are not quite right with something. And, and people go to great lengths to make it so that they can ignore that, or they go to great lengths to try to appease that God that, we, that they would be doing something that would please him, that they could feel secure and sure about where they're at with that God. We as Christians have that privilege of understanding or being taught what it is that that God desires of us. And it is so simple, as I already said, just to put our faith in what Salvation he has provided. And we just we just celebrated the birth of Jesus here at Christmas time. And we recognize that it's a fulfillment of a promise that God gave from the very beginning. That the Bible tells us that he had set up before he even formed the world. The God that created all of this simply asks that we would trust him, be obedient to him, and put our faith in his son and what he has accomplished for us. And if we are struggling to believe that he really can, if I say, care for me, for whoever we are I believe that those thoughts the devil would bring him and he'll hold up well look at what you are look at what God demands of his people he demands complete perfection and you are virtually the exact opposite how on earth can you expect that that God would care about you that he would be forgiving to you and that there would be any hope of any kind of salvation for you. Look at this word. Jesus doesn't say that when you're good enough, then you can come and then I will work with you and perhaps save you. The Bible knows what we are. I mean, sorry. God knows what we are. Jesus knows what we are. That we are sinful beings to the fullest. And he still says, come as you are. He told his disciples, and he, at the beginning of his ministry, He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, we are encouraged to spread that same message. It says, go forth and preach repentance and remission of sins. Yes, we are to believe God and believe in Christ. But the Bible tells us, That we are to repent of what we are, which is sinners, and seek forgiveness for that. It isn't just that it becomes nothing. The Bible tells us that if we come to God, where he may be found, there is forgiveness there. And as Christians... 
It tells us that we are priests of God. You can look at the Old Testament and it goes into great detail in the um, books of the law of the duties of the priests, how they were to do various things to make atonement for the sins of the people in individual ways, in corporate ways. We are said that we are the priests of God. That becomes what we are to do. That we are to, if I say do those things, that would make it so that we understand that atonement is paid. The blood of Christ paid for the sins of the world. It says paid double. It isn't that he just barely covered them. There was more than enough payment made. And I believe it tells us that so that we would <coughs> excuse me, feel free to spread that message. It isn't something that we kind of have to hoard it to make sure that it doesn't get used up before there's none available. No, there is forgiveness. And we are to encourage people to believe that message. Their sins are paid for by the blood of Christ. And because of that, you're atoned for. Your sins are still, there's payment made for them. We can believe that. And not only that, but because Christ rose again from the dead, this flesh that is dead spiritually, we can become alive through Christ, through that spirit. And we become children, of sons of God. It's a miraculous thing. And that we can share that message and that we can tell others about it in truth is a privilege. Because I guess maybe I should just speak for me. But being so human, it seems often difficult to share that message. There's so many other things that seem easier to talk about. And we understand that if we're going out to spread that message on our own volition, that it's not going to accomplish much. And we pray, and I would hope that we would trust that God would put it on our hearts so we cannot avoid it if there's a, a place or an opportunity that we're to share it with someone and that we would. I believe it's in Peter that it tells us that we're to be quick and willing to speak the word of God in season and out of season. When it seems right to us, like perhaps here, or when it seems like it's not right. Like somewhere in some group of people that have no claim of faith in God. But if the Spirit is moving us, let us be willing to share that. It says, Blessed are they that dwell in the house, in thy house. They shall... They, sorry, I can't read. They will be... They will be still praising thee. We understand this is speaking about that spiritual house of faith that as Christians we dwell in. And if that is where we dwell, then we can praise God. I believe it's the end of Hebrews that it tells us these words. I can turn to it here. It says, By him, therefore, speaking of Christ, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 
That is how we praise God. When we are thankful to him and share with our own heart and with our own mind and with others how thankful we are that we are a child of God and that we have that faith and we can be secure that we are a member of the household of God. It's something that is beyond my natural reasoning. We understand even in this life and I'm sure many, probably all of us have experienced it where someone has done something and all we can do is say thank you. And it seems quite insignificant sometimes compared to what they have done to us. And then we take that and look at what God has done for us. And he says, praise, offer praise to him. We are to be thankful. If God has given us faith, we are to be thankful. If we recognize that he takes care of us, we are to be thankful. For all the goodness that he offers to us, we should be thankful. Even for the multitude of natural blessings, we should be thankful. And as I already mentioned, there's so many that we can just take for granted at times. Until perhaps they're taken away. As I already said, just the fact if a person's healthy, to be thankful for that. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways, and in whose heart are the ways of them. It is a difficult thing for this human flesh, and I believe for myself it is why God allows that there's things that, if I say I fail, so that we recognize our abilities are so limited that it's almost laughable. We live in a world where we have been blessed so richly that as people we can very easily get the idea that if... And there's... Don't let me say there's no truth to it because there is truth to it. If we get out and work hard and are diligent and, and live honestly in those things, there's gain, there's blessings to those things. But as Christians, we understand that even those and even those people who don't thank God for what he has blessed them with, it is still because of the goodness of God that those things happen. But when we recognize that what we accomplish, our ability to withstand trials, it is because God gives us strength. And it is a blessed place to be. And it takes so much burden off of us. How often is it that we stress about something or are stressed about something or worried about something. If we had the ability to just truly give it to God, and it's kind of a cliche saying, and I even struggle sometimes to understand how we do that. And you hear people saying that we give it to God and then we take it back and, and it's... Because we're human. But if we can understand that abilities that we have to deal with whatever, that that strength comes from God. And if we recognize that, what a blessing. And that's, as it says there, thank God for that. In whose heart are the ways of them. That our hearts would seek 
And our goal would be to walk in the way that God would have us to walk. And that we would live in such a way that others would be encouraged to walk obedient to the will of God. Or walk in the way that God would desire them to walk. And not that we can decide what that is for someone else. I think we struggle lots of times to comprehend what that is for us because we're so human. But we can encourage each other. We can look into this word prayerfully, seek its guidance, seek that God's will would be done in our lives. Even as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Yes, on this earth, but in this earth that we are, that God's will would be done there. Even as it is in heaven, and that's a big ask, I think. It says, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. This is an interesting thing here. My Bible has a little footnote, and it says for that where it says, the valley of Baca, Baca make it a well, it says, the valley of mulberry trees make him a well. And when I read that, it made me think of the story of King David, and I spoke on it before. Well, I don't know if I spoke on it specifically, but I've mentioned it. Because to me, it is such a wonderful illustration. It tells that when David first became king of Israel, that the Philistines decided they were going to attack him. And it said they spread themselves in this valley, and it names the valley. I think it's the Valley of Rephaim. And David asked God if he should go and fight with them. And God says, go and fight with them and I will give you victory. And that's exactly what happened. David goes and attacks them and they win a great victory. And I don't know the time frame. It doesn't really indicate in the Bible. But it's just a few verses later. And it tells that the Philistines came again to the same valley and were going to attack David again. And I guess I am aware enough of myself and I think it's a little bit of maybe human nature we have the same scenario we knew how we dealt with it last time it worked good let's get at it and do it again that is not what David did he takes the time once again to ask God that should I go out and battle with these Philistines and God says no don't go out to battle with them Go around them and get behind them and hide in the mulberry trees. And when you hear noise, I think it's the noise of chariots, that's what it says, in the mulberry, tr- in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you go and attack them. And God gave him victory again in a completely different way. And even that is just one small, if I say, part of the story of King David and yet for myself and I don't know for anyone else I, I see a lot of importance in that those happenings there and as I said that's just a small piece of what David is recorded that is recorded about David in the Bible right from when he was a shepherd boy till he became a leader under King Saul and then was persecuted by Saul, became king of Israel, and the trials that he had right up until he died. And the Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. In spite of his failings and his grievous errors, God loved him, cared for him. He he was able to all the kings after him were encouraged to walk as David did we see that it isn't in our ability to completely not sin that God loves us David sinned grievously but what did he do with that he acknowledged it he owned up to it to God 
Nathan comes, we know the story of him and Bathsheba, Nathan comes with the story and David said, it's me. I did that. And what does Nathan tell him immediately? Yes, but God has forgiven you. It tells us in one psalm, and I don't know if I can turn to it here, where David is speaking about that. And it says that, can't see it here, but David says that he prayed about that. I believe that as a man of God, David knew that something was wrong in his actions. We read in the New Testament that Jesus tells them that we aren't to go out and make a display of anything, especially prayer, that if we go in our closet and close the door and pray, God hears us in secret, but he will answer us openly. It doesn't tell us anywhere in the Bible about David praying, except he acknowledges it in that one psalm that he prayed about that. And yet, it was a very open thing that Nathan came to him and says, God has forgiven you. And to me, it's just a picture of how something that God's word is fulfilled there, or even what he says is shown to be true. David had prayed that this sin problem could be taken care of. He didn't do it openly. But God answered openly. He sent Nathan to him that he could be convicted and believe that it was forgiven. And when I read this, it says that through the valley of the mulberry trees he would be made a well. And I believe that there is a lot of spiritual food that we can be read and gathered and take part in because of what David did. Even in that incident and in so many others. And I pray that we could be refreshed by those things. Says the rain also filleth the pools. That there would be, if I say, living water overflowing to us. If we will look at those things and how God worked with those men who looked to him, even if they were faced with the same situation, they looked to God for direction to see if he wanted them to do it slightly differently or drastically differently. I would hope that we would be that way also. Whether it's some little thing that we've dealt with before or some big problem that we've never seen before. That we could take the time as David did there and ask God, how is it you would wish me to handle this problem? We see that God answered him and he gave him victory. Now, I've used up most of the time, but my thoughts go to the story in the Old Testament where they attacked the one city. And I'll try to go through it quickly. They asked God, should we attack? He said, yes. Twice they were defeated. And it tells very clearly that they sought God's direction. It says the third time they, they asked God and they were says weeping. And we can understand there had been thousands of men killed trying to accomplish what God had told them to do. God says, yep, go again. And they did and they won. And they won the battle that time. But I think it's uh, good for us to remember that if we are doing the will of God, that is what we should focus on and that is what we should be content with. Not thinking that, oh, because I'm doing the will of God, that the outcome that I think should happen is going to happen. Sometimes the outcome that God has isn't necessarily what we think. But just doing the will of God, the outcome that God wants to happen is happening. 
And he will give us victory. Whether it's in a way we thought of or not, he will. said, they go from strength to strength, and every one of them in Zion appears before God. I don't find very often that I feel like I'm just strong all the time. I'm strong here and strong there. It's because we're not. But we should have that strength of God, and that he sustains us and is merciful to us and cares for us even when we struggle. It is his strength. It says, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. He knows us. It tells us that for each of us individually, Christ is sitting there and making intercession for us. It's Something that's beyond my understanding. And yet by faith, I believe it. There's days I struggle to with that. But it is true. And we can trust it. God sees us. It tells us, and I don't know why my head won't bring up where many of these spots are this morning, but where it says that God sees, this is Shane's paraphrase of it, but God sees the actions of the wicked and evil. How much more his children? He sees us. He knows us. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. What a desire it would be for all of us, I'm sure. That God would hear our prayers. And even that he would give us, as it says in Romans, that spirit of prayer that we would know what to pray. Or even if we don't know what to pray, it, it prays words that says we can't even utter. That God would hear those prayers. And he does. It says, Behold our God. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. It's something that I believe part of the problem with us reading the word of God and looking into the word of God is we are so human and so small that for us to comprehend the fullness of God and how all these things are, it's very much beyond us, but God in his grace and wisdom, he puts and gives pictures from different angles, if I say, so that we can start to understand the fullness of God. And how it is in Ephesians, Paul talks about the shield of faith. And here it tells us that God is our shield and how those things can be one. And God gives us that faith and, and let us just trust him. That our faith in him shields us from so much. It says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The author of the psalm is saying that the lowliest position in the household of God, in the house of God, is infinitely better than anything that looks marvelous in that you would be part of something wicked or outside of that house of God. And it is how it is. It doesn't matter how insignificant we seem as a child of God. It is infinitely better than not being a child of God. God doesn't look at how significant or insignificant we seem in this world. God looks at, are you one of my children? And he knows what each of us, he made us. He knows what we are for and what he made us for. And if it seems insignificant, 
to us. But if we are in the will of God, it is bringing glory to him. And that is what we are to do. And be thankful that he knows us. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. It's, I believe, saying these things in these ways. If we look at it, how can he be the sun and a shield? A shield blocks the sun, if we would say that even. And yet he is both those things. He is, and I believe what is telling us is that the fullness of God is beyond our comprehension. But we are to trust in it that it is real and that he cares. And just because our natural mind looks at things, and maybe I'm just speaking for me, but I think we're all that human. We look at things and think, well, that would be good if I had that. And I think, it seems to me that that would be the right and best thing for me, and yet it doesn't happen. And we read this and says that no good thing will God withhold. And the devil brings a thought, well, yeah, that's a good thing for use, and you're not getting it, so you must not be a child of God. Like you're just pretend. That isn't the truth. It's the same lies that he's been telling all along. And that is what how he works. He brings half-truths. We know that he came to Christ and, and brought portions of the word of God. And that is another thing that I marvel at. We read about those temptations and that Satan brought the word of God to tempt God, tempt Christ, if we say that. Christ answered him, and if you look at where those answers come from, the word of God, they come from two book or two chapters from one book of the Bible. I believe it's the sixth and eighth chapters of of Deuteronomy that Christ brought those verses and countered the devil and I guess it comes to my mind how much God loves us that's a tiny tiny portion of what he has blessed us with with this full Bible to counteract what the devil would bring Christ was able to use those things and I'm sure that The hand of God is not shortened. We look to him for guidance, for wisdom. When the devil comes with temptations or lies, the word of God will give us the counter. It will give us the answer. Let us look to that. Let's not try to come up with something in our own mind. We see that he was defeated by the word of God. When Christ used it. We are the children of God. We have that spirit of God. If we use the word of God through that spirit, it has the same ability to defeat the wiles of the devil. Let us take advantage of that. This ends with, O Lord of hosts, Blessed is the man that trusts in me. It is a blessed place to be. If we can rest and trust that it is God who is taking care of us, that it's God who will take care of us every day, that he gives us life, And that when we pass from this life to the next, it is still God that we can trust in. Trust him to say, come ye blessed of the Father. Simply because we believe in what Christ has done for us. Believe that he paid for our sins. It's a blessed place to be. I pray that God would give all of us faith to stay there.
In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat> and I have to apologize. My head, I guess, is too many places. I come down and it wasn't the second Sunday in the month in my head. <laughs> Somehow I thought it was next week. And I'm, I'm sorry I didn't bring communion stuff, so we won't have communion this Sunday like we were supposed to have. So that's on next we can, sure. Yeah. Um, is there anybody who's able to have Bible study Thursday evening? You can't say. So Bible study at Thursday evening? Anybody have a stall with you? 434. 
we ask you to bless those that we put these things together. Bless this afternoon.